All right, Darren Smith, what's coming up on episode six of the Always Loyal podcast? Well, dig deep, everybody. Landon Donovan is going to join us here. You might have heard of him, had a little bit of a playing career. The manager for San Diego Loyal, getting set for season number three, joins us. Hey, everyone. This is Shannon McMillan, Vice President of Community Relations with San Diego Loyal, and I have the honor of having Nutmeg Darren Smith. You're listening to the Always Loyal podcast. Enjoy. It's starting to feel like it's game week, isn't it? It's it's a little bit different. Preseason matches are one thing, but knowing that there's actually a match at Torero Stadium this weekend with three points on the line, that feels different to me. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, especially when you start looking longer at the schedule, it feels like things are happening very quickly. We go right from a kit reveal into match week in LA Galaxy 2, into a couple of home matches here, into the 34-match regular season, getting to see players, tickets, television, radio, the whole shooting match. So the off season, it's over. Kit reveal, what an amazing event that was at Stone Brewing Liberty Station. And then Saturday night back at Torero, probably going to be a little chilly. You might want to wear a wool hat and a sweatshirt, but we'll be out there getting the 2022 season, which I think stands to be the best season yet, the best yet to come this year. Full slate, U.S. Open Cup, nobody better to preview than Landon Donovan. Kit reveal, baby. I want to talk about the kit reveal event that happened at Stone Liberty Station, and it was it was a ton of fun. Andrew Vasiliadis was on stage. Landon Donovan was on stage. Ricardo Campos was on stage. The players unveiled the New Jerseys. I looked up briefly at one point, and I'm pretty sure it was Sean McVay who was on the podium introducing all these people. <laughs> I don't know how they Super Bowl champ on a random Thursday night in San Diego. Good for him. I looked up and then next day I I looked away and I'm like, did you see that Sean McVay's up there? And then I turned back and then Darren Smith was on the stage. I'm like, I don't know how they just switched real quick, but that's what I saw. Really, uh, really fun. I thought it was a really good night and a ton of people showed up. Yeah. Well, somebody had to be the least important person to appear on that stage. So that honor went to yours truly in that event, but getting the opportunity to introduce Ricardo Campos. And and I'll just say, you mentioned how many people were there estimated somewhere North of 600, but also having a chance to interact with so many of the players who were just wandering around gates open up five o'clock event started about six, six 30, somewhere in that range, having Andrew Vasiliadis walking around, taking pictures, answering questions, interacting with all the supporters. Same thing for Ricardo. Same thing for the players, Landon, broadcasters. What an event. Everybody knows how to throw a party that's affiliated with this club. So it was a tremendous, tremendous kit reveal. Our second kit reveal. And what'd you think? What'd you think of the Tory Green? Very excited that it's finally here. It's a color we've been chatting about since 2020. And here in 2022, we get it. I I think what made the kit reveal so special is it was a big night for supporters. It's a big night for the club. It was a big night for Charlie as well. Like, don't that, that was a big night for Charlie. But what really feeds into the excitement of the kit reveal is knowing that we're going to see these kits on the field very, very soon. And now that we're recording here on, on match week, we're just a few hours away from it. So that's, for me, like there's excitement to see Tory Green and there's a huge payoff for it. And it's a moment they've worked towards for a long time. But I, I think a really special part of it is knowing that that is the color and that is the jersey now you're going to see inside Torero Stadium, not just with the players, but you're going to see it all around the stands. It is going to be a very, very popular, probably the most popular jersey inside that stadium. So really, to me, it kind of just set the tone for the season and it, it kind of just revealed how much excitement there is for the season to actually kick off. 
Yeah, and I thought that the supporters groups got us off to a great start. Been way too long since we had a chance to hear them, hear the drumming, hear the singing. The locals walked in, Chavos de Loyal, Rainbow Loyal. They were tremendous. Getting a chance to meet Jason Wells from Charlie Football, who was a guest on the Always Loyal Soccer Podcast. So all of that was just great. It was a tremendous night. And I really thought what Andrew Faciliata said is so true. You're part of history if you were at that event because Charlie Football has not partnered with any team, any club north of the border. So that was history in the making that you were a part of. If you didn't make it, you'll see them coming up Saturday night at Torero Stadium. And what a sight that's going to be for the first time seeing the club play in Torrey Green in the Charlie Kits is just going to be tremendous. All right, let's get to the star of the podcast. We're excited for the season to kick off. So what better way to get ready for the season than by chatting it up with Landon Donovan. We had the opportunity to chat with Nate Miller a few weeks ago. It kind of gave us a glimpse into some changes coming for this upcoming year. So now we have the opportunity to dive in a little bit deeper with LD. And that's what we do. Landon Donovan joins the Always Loyal Podcast next. He's the manager, he's the head coach, he's the gaffer, he's Landon Donovan, who joins us on the Always Loyal podcast. Landon, thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. My wife um, just poured me a glass of bourbon and brought it in. And as we say, sometimes it's been a long week today, so it is definitely needed. What kind of bourbon, out of curiosity? Actually, I don't know what she brought. This may be Sun... Oh, it might be whiskey. This might be Suntory, the Japanese. It's really you're, nice. You're a man of exquisite taste. Wine, tequila, bourbon. I feel like like this is stuff that you can engage in. We could do the soccer, but we also could probably have a full-blown conversation on, on the types of liquors that you like drinking. Yeah, I've had a pretty wide range of um, food and beverage in my life. I grew up, as most people know, in a 900-square-foot home. Uh, eating spam, hot dogs, grilled cheese, fish sticks, condensed milk. And now I enjoy the finer things in life. So uh, I can eat it all, I can drink it all, but I prefer the the nicer. Is this what you do? Do you feel like you are a manager? Like, is this when you meet somebody for the first time? Hi, I'm Landon Donovan. This is who you are. You're a coach. You're a manager. Like, is is that how your mind works today? You're you're no longer a former player, which you are, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're, yeah, you're that's uh, not blowing smoke, Darren, but that's actually a really good question. I, um, I think it's changed when I first started, it was kind of still living in my head as a former player, but actually even in the last two days, just thinking about how I approach every day and how natural it's come for me to become for me to now be in sort of say, quote unquote, managerial mode, um, it's become very natural to me. So now I also realize that how I say things, what I say, the way I speak to people really matters a lot in my role, not only internally, but externally. And so I've, I think I've grown a lot in that, but it's become natural. There were times in the past where I had to be like really intentional about it, but now it's kind of become natural, but I'm still you know, I still think of myself as young, even though I just turned 40. Um, And being around young guys every day kind of helps you stay young. 
crazy to think you're going into year three already. Yeah. Yeah. It's in some ways it's, I feel like we started 15 years ago, <laughs> but the reality is it's been two, two full seasons, right? So, well, one and a half full seasons. So, um, yeah, it's this year feels like we're more prepared in all ways as the club in the front office, the way we're doing things feels much more like a well-oiled machine in training. We have most of the same staff. We have, I think 13 of the same players. So it's, everything is just, just happens so much faster and so much easier now. It seems like, well, at least according to Nate Miller, when he joined the podcast, that there has been a philosophy change. Was there a specific moment that really changed your mind to, to go ahead and go forward with the change? Well, I can break it down for you year by year. So the first year, admittedly, I had no idea what I was doing. And thank God for Nate, uh, who really helped me understand the process a little bit better. But by the time Nate got here, we were almost ready for preseason. So that year then was COVID hit and we had a roster of, you know, a decent number of guys who are still here, but there was a lot of turnover. The second year, because of COVID, uh, the budget got cut quite a bit. And so what's happened over the first two years, one, because we made some mistakes in year one with the players we brought in. And then two, in the second year, because we were so limited financially, is we had to bring in a lot of loan players. And that's been a really good thing because it's been really rewarding in some cases, like Miguel Berry, like Jack Mayer, like John Kempen, et cetera. But then it's really challenging because all of a sudden you get on a little bit of run and you get a call that I dread from Nashville saying we need Jack Mayer back. And all of a sudden the season looks way different. So that's really challenging. And we made a conscious effort this year with tremendous support from Andrew Vasiliadis financially to not have to do that. Um, it doesn't mean we, we won't have one or two odd loanies if it makes really good sense for us, but now we have the group of players we're going to have for the whole year. And there's so much value in knowing they're going to be here all year. Um, peace of mind for us, but also our team doesn't get ripped apart at random times during the season. And that's a big part of the story heading into 2022 into season number three, right? is knowing for the most part, you know, you might add a little bit here or there circumstance might be what it is injuries, the great equalizer in sports, but the squad that we're watching now for the most part is the squad that we would hopefully expect to see throughout the 34 regular season matches, us open cup. This is what you got, what we've seen so far. That's right. And the beauty in that is you had, we had most of them from day one. And so we get to build from day one. It's also really hard when a player comes in three weeks into the season or 10 weeks into the season to learn how we do things. Um, I think at probably a number of USL clubs, you can fit in pretty quickly because there's very similar sort of styles of play. Um, it's, a, it's a little different here and where guys really need some time to figure out what we do and understand it. So having everybody from day one or almost everyone from day one is a huge advantage for us. So can you explain that? Can, can we take that a step further? Because we've heard sure. you say that. I've heard you say that, you know, here and, and on different, different platforms. What does that sure. mean? You know, when you're talking about, you know, it's a little bit different here. Our style is a little different. Andrew referenced that in the first episode ever, the Always Loyal podcast. What does that mean if, if you were to put it in a, into simpleton terms? Without giving too much away, not knowing who might be listening to this, um, <laughs> I guess the easiest way to say it is, 
most USL, and it's not it's not unique to USL. I would say most clubs around the world um, go into each week adapting to how their opponent is going to play. So that I would say that's a common theme, probably in most sports. Um, the way we view the game philosophically is we are going to be really, really good at what we do. And of course, every week we make minor tweaks. We're working today on how we want to play against Alley Galaxy 2, um, just defensively a little bit. But most of what we do is focused on ourselves and how we can be the best at what we do. And so that's a little challenging for players because their mindset is used to Okay, it's Monday morning. We're playing LA Galaxy 2. Here's how we're going to defend. Here's how we're going to react to what they do versus every day starting in the first day of preseason, we're building our identity of who we are. And so when you watch our games over the course of a long period of time, I think you can say, oh, that's a very identifiable way of playing. Whereas I think most times you see um, a little more inconsistency in the way teams and in the way teams play. And, and candidly, that most of the teams I played for as a player were like that, where you were sort of adapting and adjusting to who you were playing versus having a really solid identity of who you are and imposing yourself and your will on the other team. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is be dominant. And I use that word very specifically. We want to be dominant in the game. It doesn't mean we're always going to win. It doesn't mean there aren't other styles that are successful, but we want to be able to dictate the game at all times. And we feel like if we get really good at doing that, that we become very hard to beat. It, it sounds like a way for you guys to be dominant is to get more athletic. And it sounds like that's been a big goal for you guys um, just to have a more athletic roster. I, I've seen that quote a few times. Tell us what that means when, when you want your team sure. to be more athletic. Well, the reality of USL is, you know, if you compare USL to MLS or to some other good leagues around the world, USL quality is still a decent way behind major league soccer, especially with attacking players. I mean, MLS teams are spending six, seven, eight, ten million dollars on players, and USL teams don't get anywhere near that. Um, so you see that quality change, but the league itself is very difficult and challenging to play in because the teams are very athletic. So they can make the game really difficult, right? So the hardest thing to do in soccer and maybe in sports in general is to score a goal. So if you are athletic and physical and good defensively, you can go a long way in this league. I mean, Orange County is a great example of that. They were very good defensively at the end of the year last year, and they ended up winning a championship. They didn't have to be special with the ball. They didn't have to be the protagonist in games, but they were really good at what they did, and they were athletic, and they made plays. And so one of the key points of emphasis in our offseason was we just weren't athletic enough last year. We needed guys who were bigger, faster, stronger, quite literally, who can make plays athletically that will help us get more points. And so far in preseason, we've seen that, and I'm excited for what it looks like this weekend. Uh, tell us about some of the new players then. Uh, you, you bring in, there's a few new additions, clearly hoping to make you more athletic, but how do they fit into that system we were just talking about that sometimes it takes some time to, to understand and get going? Sure. Yeah, good question. So we're, I think most teams would say this too, we're very intentional about, one, the profile um, of the player and meaning can they play in this position on the field for our team? 
Um, there are a lot of great players around USL and around the world, but they might not fit for what exactly we're looking for. That's one. Um, do they fit our culture? Really crucial for us. And what I look at now and what I'm learning more and more is how quickly can these guys take information and implement it, right? And so in the offseason, we brought in uh, three attacking striker type players, Evan Conway, who was the best player in league one last year, USL league one, Kyle Vassell, who came and trained with us last year. Who's a really good friend of Charlie Adams. Uh, he played in England for the last whatever decade, um, very good physical striker. And then Thomas among who was with Colorado switchbacks last year. So all three of them are physically gifted, athletic, talented soccer players, and they've all had, long success at scoring goals in, in different leagues around the world. And then we brought in Nick Moon from Indy, Indy 11, who can play in a lot of different positions, but athletically, again, very gifted, a very good soccer player, but athletically uh, makes us a lot bigger, faster and stronger. And so that's, you know, that's the attacking sort of side of the ball. And that's been you know, really good to see in preseason. Well, tell us a little bit about Kyle Vassell. I don't know how this plays out during the regular season and, and hopefully into the postseason. But you ask anybody around the club, you know, who should lead the team in scoring, goal scoring this year? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, Kyle Vassell. I, you know, who knows? We'll see the way it plays out. But, but what sort of expectation on him in particular, given his background, given his history, given his resume? So Kyle is what I refer to as a real player. And in USL... A lot of times you get guys who have a flaw or two. There's a, we, you know, we'll say there's, there's a reason why they're not quite at the MLS level yet, or they didn't make it quite at the MLS level. Uh, sometimes that's your international status, right? You know, MLS teams can only sign so many international players. So, you know, Jack Blake's a good example. If Jack Blake was American with his quality, he could be on most MLS or if not all MLS rosters. Um, Kyle is just a real player. So he all around can do everything. Well, he knows, he knows how to play the game, uh, the way the top players do. And, you know, there's a reason why he wasn't in the Premier league or playing for his national, or he did play for his national team a couple of times, but he's a real player. So, uh, physically he is strong enough, um, to hold the ball. He can run by people. He's very talented technically. And then he's a really good finisher. So when he gets in front of goal, not only can he score the goals that other people set up for him, but he can take the ball, dribble by someone and score. And that makes him pretty unique in USL. Whether he leads you guys in scoring or not to be determined, but in terms of, of really high expectations of all the newcomers this year, highest expectation for that player or perhaps for somebody else. You've got some, some important shoes to fill on the back line and, and maybe even a net, but in terms of, of biggest impact amongst the newcomers, can you start? Well, I would Maybe, but I would say all, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have huge turnover. You know, some teams have 12, 13, 15, 17 new players. We brought in, I believe it's six um, very intentionally in very intentional spots, four of them in attacking spots, well, five of them in attacking spots, including Andrew now, and um, and then two defensively and one sort of as a defensive midfielder slash center back. So we have, we've been very intentional about it, but we knew in the front part of the field, we needed to get dangerous. In, in the two years I've been here, 
when we have a really dangerous attacking striker or a couple attacking players on the field, we're really, really hard to beat. So that was a huge emphasis for us. All right. You mentioned the name Andrew there. Andrew Carlton was just announced as a new addition to the roster. What can you tell us about him? Sure. So for those who don't know, Andrew still is, I was going to say was, but he's still a young player who started out at Atlanta United and was one of their first, maybe their first actually homegrown signings ever. Very, very talented young man at 16, 17, grew up uh, playing with the youth national teams with Christian Pulisic and made a lot of mistakes um, off the field in particular, which he has admitted to, uh, which he has acknowledged. And we had the opportunity to bring him here on trial, basically, just to look at him and, and see where he's at as a soccer player, but more importantly, as you guys have gotten to know our club, as a human being. Because um, there has been some, some, he's made some bad decisions in his life, um, which I think we all have. And so we've gotten to get to know him over the last four weeks. I personally have spent a lot of time talking to him about his past and some of the decisions he's made and ultimately got comfortable with uh, his past, his history, and decided that this was a kid who really needs a chance in life and nobody's been willing to give him a second chance. He was a young kid who probably had too much too soon, too much fame, too much fortune, um, et cetera, too soon. And I can really relate to that. Um, I, I felt that as a young kid, I felt that pressure and I just thank God that social media wasn't around when I was, when I was 16, 17, 18, cause I, I would have made a lot of, of bad decisions too. So, um, he's been great since he's been here. He's been really good with his teammates. Uh, he understands that this is a really big opportunity for him. And so it's important for him to acknowledge some of the mistakes he's made. And I think he's really grateful that he has a second chance now. And, and so if you wouldn't mind walking us through the protocols now as a manager, as somebody who's the face of the club, what do you do when you're faced with a decision like this? You know, who do you turn yeah, to? Is it, is it ownership? Is it coaching? Is it players? Uh, who, who is it? Is it the president? It's, yeah, it's all of that. And the, the first thing is you try to do as much due diligence as possible. So from just, just a talent soccer perspective, Andrew is very gifted very, very um, gifted naturally, but then he spent a lot of time working and getting to know him. I've learned this hours and hours and hours practicing to become a good soccer player. Right. And so most of the work we've done is just speaking to people about him. We had one current, one former player play with him and Jack Metcalf, who's with us now and Sal Zizzo. So speaking to them at length about him as a human being, speaking to former coaches, teammates, people who know him, et cetera, and trying to get a gauge as to what they say about him. And the feedback from everyone has been consistent. Really sweet kid, good human being who's made a lot of bad mistakes, right, in his youth. And there's lots of nuance to that. You know, he, to his credit, has taken blame for what he's done, but I also think he wasn't managed or handled very well in his in his youth so um 
I think people look at young players and I, again, I can relate to this and they think, you know, when you watch college football games and you see them make a mistake or a stupid mistake or an off the field mistake, you're like, how could these guys do that? And you forget they're 18 years old. I mean, think about what we were all doing at 18. Um, we were making mistakes, right? That's what human beings do. And so I think having some compassion for that, um, but clearly, clearly helping him understand that that's not acceptable anymore, that he's had his mistakes, but now it's time to be a professional. He's 21. He's a, he's a man now. And helping him through that. I think we all just, a lot of times clubs sign a player and they think, oh, he'll just figure it out. Well, a 16-year-old from Powder Springs, Georgia, doesn't know what professional soccer is like, doesn't know what life is, and you need to help him. And so because I've been through that, um, I, there's a special place in my heart for someone like that because I want to help, I want to help these players. And it's not just Andrew. There's a lot of young kids on our team who I've walked in their shoes. I know what it's like, and I want to help them. So what did you need to hear from the players that knew him? Um, I wanted to know that his values align with our club. And so his values are, I mean, you can look at his social media. It's, I think it's faith, family, football, basically is what he's about. And so um, whatever his personal opinions are, politically, socially, uh, et cetera, don't really matter to me. It's how does he interact with the club? How does he interact with his teammates? And how is he every day as a human being? And we've had four weeks now to evaluate that. And um, I can see why he had challenges as a 16, 17-year-old. Again, I can really relate to that. But I take people as they come. And he's come here and, again, I'll say it over and over, has acknowledged that he's made some mistakes in his past. But he's seems like he's not that person anymore. Um, so he wants... He just wants to play soccer. He's a kid who wants to play soccer and, and, and enjoy it. And I think we can provide him that. And, and not the first time we've heard you guys linked with a uh, redemption story of sorts. I don't know how accurate this is, but there's always been the rumor, Landon, it feels like the right time to bring it up, that Junior Flemings was somebody who San Diego Loyal was interested in. This is the player who used the homophobic slur against Colin Martin. Even mm -hmm. uh, the player who used the, I draw a blank on his name, who used the racial slur against Elijah that, you know, that you guys had communicated there. You didn't, you know, you, you wanted to sort of offer yourself up and, and find out if there's some way to be involved with those kind of players and, and redemption. Well, you see this a lot, Darren, you know, this, the easy thing is to knock someone down, cancel them and then move on with your life. But the problem is, is you're ruining a life, literally ruining someone's life and, and their family, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't like uh, taking advantage of the situation and maybe we'll sign Junior Flemings, who is a very good player. It's people deserve second chances. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, a lot, a lot of mistakes. And if I wasn't given second chances, I wouldn't have been the player I was and the person I am. So that doesn't mean everyone gets a second chance. Obviously, we're we're all culpable and we have to pay the price for things we do. There are consequences to, to our actions. But I think if people learn and grow from their mistakes, why wouldn't you 
give them another chance. And um, I'm, I, I realize I'm sticking my neck out a bit, but uh, I believe in people and maybe that's naive, but I, I want to give people chances if they deserve it. Maybe the answer is obvious, but I'm curious what your answer is. What player will you miss the most? What player not returning? Well, what's your obvious answer? Yarrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just like personally as a human being, Josh is a phenomenal human being. But as far as what he contributed on the field, I mean, there is no player in this league like him. And he fit what we wanted to do, what we do perfectly. Um, we're pretty risk heavy in the way we play, meaning we pour a lot of numbers forward and into the attack. And he was able to put out a ton of fires just individually with his um, knowledge of the game, his reading of the game. And then athletically, he could just chase down players and, and make plays that way. So he was so valuable to us. But at the same time, one thing we are really proud of here is helping guys make more of their career. And he's a perfect example Ruby over beans, a good example, Miguel Barry, John Kemp and Jack Mayer. Um, these are guys that while it hurts to lose them, um, seeing them go on and, and succeed in their careers makes us really happy. Uh, so I was looking at the schedule a little bit earlier today, and I think back to the 16 game schedule and then what happened last year. And now this year's completely different. The, the playoff format, the structure is different. To me, though, looking at the opponents and when you play them, I think it's the most difficult schedule you guys have had yet. Do you agree? Um, well, when you're comparing playing Phoenix four times and Orange <laughs> County four times That's versus fair. only twice, <laughs> I might disagree with you. However, I would just say... But you guys play like... El there, there's a month, and I think it's April. You have like El Paso, Louisville, Tampa yeah. Bay. Those are all yeah. teams that finish first in their division. And yeah, that's all no, in one maybe, maybe Birmingham in there somewhere too. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I mean, listen, we, uh, we didn't get any favors done by USL, but that's okay. We don't shy away from that. Um, we want to bring great teams here and then we want to go challenge ourselves. We've, you know, first four games of last year, we're all on the road against really good teams. So we, we welcome that, but there are just a lot of the league is getting better and better. So there are just a lot of good teams. When I look around at every team and I watch their, their roster moves and what they're doing, you're just impressed. Like people, it's the natural evolution of a young league, but everyone's just getting better and better really fast. And with MLS growing the way it has a lot of really good MLS players are no longer playing in MLS because they're not good enough anymore. So what happens is they, then they become USL players and you're seeing lots of really good rosters across the league. Yeah. Orange County has one of those types of players as well. How will you following up on Jordan's question about the schedule? How will you prioritize the following regular season success, preparing for the postseason to make a run of the USL cup and also the open cup a tournament that you participated in as a player but now as a manager, we've never seen it. You know, we've not seen it here with San Diego Loyal. So how do you prioritize those three things? Um, the easy answer is to say all equally, um, I think, but it depends on where you are in the season and what the situation is. So I'll just give you an example. So I don't know if we play four or five or six games before our open cup game. If, you know, I don't anticipate this, but this would be nice. If we win six games in a row in the league, and we're determining how we want to play against 
Albion in our Open Cup game, um, I would probably throw all the starters in there and say, you know, if if some guys are tired for the following weekend, we'll adjust accordingly. Um, if we lose our first six games, um, maybe it's the same answer. Maybe it's different. Um, but I think a little bit of it depends on where we are physically, where we are in the league. But I'll just be really unequivocal and clear here. The Open Cup is really important to us, really important. Um, mainly because it's an opportunity for our team to grow and get better. So playing in games that are different than your league games, just make your players better and grow more. If all you've ever known is playing a USL game, you're not growing, right? So you have the opportunity to play Cholos in preseason, play Vancouver in preseason, even playing some NISA teams in preseason, college teams. It all looks different and all those experiences make you uh, understand the game and learn more. So we're taking it really seriously and we want to go as far as we can. There's no reason why we shouldn't, we shouldn't approach it that way. You, you, uh, from off the top of my head, two time U S open cup winner. Is that right? I think one. Okay. You've won the U S open cup. I have. Yeah. So, so yeah. like, what, what does that, I feel like it's, you know, it's even by, you know, diehard U S soccer fans. It's a little bit under everybody's radar. You know, what, what does that tournament represent for you as somebody who's played in it and somebody who's won it? I think though, Darren, what's happened probably in the last four or five years, and it's a shame that COVID kind of knocked us off track for a couple of years. I think people are paying attention. Well, people first understand the game of soccer around the world and here much better than ever before. It's just growing and growing and growing. And so more people are paying attention to the FA Cup, the Copa del Rey in Spain, the Italian Cup, the German Cup, and they go, "Oh, this is interesting." You get to it's it's a novel idea for American sports fans, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine like the Lakers playing some D League team in a tournament, and the D League team upsets the Lakers, which right now could probably happen. Um, <laughs> but then you you all of a sudden it creates this crazy excitement, or some Double A baseball team beats the Padres in a series and gets to go on in a tournament, like people are starting to pay attention and go, Oh, that's an interesting concept. So I think people are understanding it more. And I think all the teams are starting to put more effort and equity into it. Not just the lower division teams, but MLS teams now are like, Hey, you know, historically, when we look back in 40 years, we want to say we want a bunch of these things too, right? It's important. And I think that's helped the U S open cup grow. 2005 Open Cup champion Landon Donovan. There you go. You, you guys took down uh, FC Don't forget Dallas. It. There you go. There it is. I tried there to sneak another one in there on the resume for you, Landon. I appreciate You're that. You're too honest. Yeah. But we're I all appreciate about. that. Hey, have you listened to the podcast before by chance? I have, everyone. Do you know that we do like rapid fire questions? We prepare these in case the guest wants to do it. Are you willing to, to participate in some rapid fire questions? I would love to. Darren, would you like to lead us off? Sure. Would okay. you rather win a game 4-3 or 1-0? 4-3. Good question. Um, who scores the first goal of the season? Well, I don't want to give away our lineup. <laughs> um, Just say Guido. He's in there. We know it. I'll say Guido. <laughs> there you go. Guido. I don't want to answer that for you. That's your answer. Uh, best memorabilia that you own? Oh, question i'm looking here because some of it's in my office um i think two come to mind one is well i have two man of the match trophies that i won or awards that i won in a world cup which is really cool um 
I have a hat, literally a hat, a cap for getting my 100th cap with the U.S. national team. And that's encased, um, I think, with all the games that I played written on there or engraved on there, which is really cool. And then when I retired or when I, yeah, when I retired from the national team, um, U.S. soccer made me a jersey um, with pieces of all the jerseys I had worn throughout my career and then all the names in the back of the players I had played with, which was really cool. That must have taken a lot of work. How about non-soccer related? Memorabilia? Yeah. Oh. Well, that actually, my mom for my 40th just gave me a compass. It's cool. I'm oh, showing, wow. you guys, showing you guys on Zoom right now. So that it is says, beautiful. Yeah. You're always in my heart no matter where life may take you. Yeah, it's really cool. That's a good answer. I mean, it just she just gave it to me last week, so it's cool. Well, good timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a book coming out. Does it have a title yet? How'd you know I had a book coming out? You told me. Oh, I did? Yeah. Oh. Uh, we don't have a title yet. Do you have any suggestions? Nope. You don't? I don't. <laughs> um, hey, thanks for asking about the book. I'm actually really excited. It's... Um, it's a little weird to, well, I didn't write it, but to have a book come out, I obviously was heavily involved while you're now a manager and coach, because I do think to myself, like, what are my players going to think reading this? Right. But I'm really transparent with our players, um, try to be really vulnerable with them and honest with them. And so should be really interesting. Yeah. No title yet though. <laughs> I don't know yet. I honestly don't. Um, what we're what we're knocking around right now is Landon, um, and the reason why is I think most people know me as Landon Donovan, but there's the story is actually about Landon is about me, and um, I think well not I think I mean people will be pretty surprised to know what life has looked like for me. It's probably not what they think on the surface. Look forward to that. I feel like this should be like another 10 minute conversation, Darren. I can't believe you slipped this in in the rapid fire portion of the podcast. (laughs) Um, Landon, favorite kids movie or kids show? Kids movie. Like, is there something on Disney Plus that you guys have to watch over and over again? Yeah, my kids watch like Paw Patrol blaze and the monster machines i mean the amount of stupid songs i sing are just ridiculous <laughs> um i wouldn't say any of them are my favorite okay. i don't really like any of them but yeah you know i'm getting a lot actually of to be en- honest they're pretty Encanto in my house that's oh yeah a ton of Encanto. jeez yeah that's but really you know cool. what it's pretty uh some of them are pretty like they're pretty clever they make them so that adults can watch too you know even the shows like they have some like hidden meaning stuff going on that the kids have no idea but it's funny for adults so it's pretty clever. Speaking of music, what is the uh, the supporters group song that gets stuck in your head when you're driving home from Torero Stadium? Dale, 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 dale. Does that one get stuck in your head too? <laughs> Always. That's exactly that's the one that was yeah. in my mind as well. Totally. I love it though. I love it. So Viejo um, or Reposado? Uh, Añejo. No question. You? There's like, a, there's like a sweetness to the añejo, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
if Darren and I bring champagne, can we sit on the bench Saturday night with you? No. Okay. I had to ask. Have you ever yelled, it's to me time after a to me Mochibani <laughs> goal? Uh, I have not, but I have yelled after a to me goal. Landon, your expectations for 2022? You, you have always high expectations. Uh, I guess what I've learned is that we like, we like the way we do things and we like the way we love our team and our roster and our players. But what I realize is the other team feels the same way. And right. And so they're always coming. And I, I think especially when they play San Diego or they come to San Diego, it's a little more exciting. Right. And, and teams give a little more cause it's for, for a lot of reasons, but it's a more special game. And so, um, my expectations are always high because I know what our ceiling is. Uh, I would say there are a lot of teams who realistically can't win a championship. I know we can, uh, but my job and our job as a staff is to get us to a place where like, that's realistic. We feel like we're on that path. Um, but you never know until the game starts. So that's why we're excited for this weekend. Gets underway Saturday night, Torero Stadium. Landon, we appreciate you. We'll see you out there Saturday night. All the best and best of luck this season. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm Cassie Clapp, the Community Relations Manager. Growing loyalty here in San Diego. Thank you so much for listening to the Always Loyal Podcast. All right, Darren. Uh, Landon didn't exactly – I didn't feel as if he was ready to commit to the fact that this is the most difficult schedule yet. but. I don't think I'm overplaying that. I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh my goodness, this is so tough. And how will they ever overcome such a schedule? Like they're going to be fine, but it's a beast. Yeah. And you'll have different players, I'm sure, for different roles when it comes to navigating your way through a 34 match regular season open cup, which really fired me up here in LD. Talk yeah. about how seriously he plans on taking the open cup. Love five, hearing five that. matches is the answer to that, by the way. He was wondering how many matches they get before the open cup. They get five. So, yeah, I mean, I, I loved all of that. I, I did. And I think you're right. I think it's the most difficult just because of the way the schedule looks and, and you're facing a lot of clubs that last year were in the postseason right. in the East and in the West, obviously. So yeah, like, like making hay, especially against the teams, the teams in, in the West division, who don't have designs on being a postseason club. And some of those got removed by MLS to relocating, doing some other things. I, you know, I think that, I think your point is, is fair. I think your mm -hmm. point was valid, but I listen, manager. Nate Miller might, he reminded us a few weeks ago that it's not how you start. It's how you finish. That's the most important part, which I agree with. Mm -hmm. But again, if we're looking at the beginning of the schedule in 2022, I, you look a little bit deeper into March at Phoenix. Then you get El Paso, which finished first. And then you get a midweek open cup match. And then you get three more first place teams after that. The, the early schedule is a bit of a grind. And again, like I, I don't expect them to go loss, 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 loss. And it's so tough, but it is notable. Like that, the April schedule is not easy. So yeah, we'll see if they get off to a better start this year. You know, I also think too, if you're, you know, if you're in the hunt here late in the season, you can also look at and see the way it unfolds in September, right? Because on one hand, to start that month, you're going to go to Monterey Bay. It's expansion. It's you know, you don't know the lay of the land. San Antonio, back to back. Phoenix, 
Vegas, Orange County, New Mexico, Sacramento to wrap it up in Sacramento. So, you know, if you're down there chasing the way we saw the club last year, you know, there's potential pitfalls all along the schedule. So, yeah, it's it's challenging because it's unfamiliar because you don't know your way around some of these places. Now, maybe there's some players with experience. Maybe Nate Miller's been around this league or two, a time or two. But but for most, you know, this, there's some unfamiliarity here about where you go, where you stay, how long it's going to take you to do certain things. And I think anytime you're unfamiliar, that presents a, a little bit of a unique challenge. I get the sense that San Diego is considered a playoff, not just contender, but somewhat of a playoff lock. So most people will put San Diego into that mix. I look at the website 538, which finally updated what they expect to happen for the 2022 season. Just rolling in as we get ready for our first match of the season, 538 before anything, before the ball is kicked, 72% chance to make the playoffs this year, 5% chance to win the title. And 10% to win the West, if I remember correctly. That so is correct. I'll, I'll sign up for that season number three. I'll, I'll take those odds here today. I, I, I don't look at that and, and, you know, think that those are outrageous in, in any capacity, you know, good or bad. I, I think that seems about right. 70% to go to the postseason. We saw what happened in the postseason last year. Right. Phoenix gets picked off. Good teams get picked off. So, you know, you take a chance. That's why I, I wonder how you prioritize it all. Regular season when seven, the top seven teams in the West Western Conference go to the postseason. Regular season success, wanting to be the best regular season club you can be, just putting yourself in a position, hopefully to be playing your best in the postseason, should you be one of the seven, or open cup. You know, those are those are those are different priorities. They are. Uh the teams out west that are rated higher according to 538, San Antonio, Phoenix, Orange County. That's the list. So fourth best odds in the Western Conference. Let's ride. Let's ride. I like it. Really good stuff from Landon. I feel like we went longer with Landon than most of our other guests. I hope that's okay. Landon's so zen and yeah. so relaxed. There's such like a the balance with him and Nate that you know Landon sort of he lulls you into this this way of saying, "Oh, let's have a slower conversation." Right. I don't know if you felt that way. I do though. Yeah, maybe it was just Landon at the end of the day. Who knows? Maybe like 8 a.m. Landon, who's highly caffeinated, is a very different experience. Good point. All right, Darren, uh, we'll chat with you next week for episode seven of the Always Loyal podcast. We do ask to subscribe. And if you can, leave a review, leave some stars. We do appreciate it. Darren, I'll chat with you soon. See you Saturday night, everybody. <laughs>